Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. That's a reasonable choice. Texas Tech, and what you would not know, Texas Tech is where Mac McClung, who played two years at Georgetown, ended up for the last two years of college. So you have Texas Tech, and that's a four seed, I think, right? Texas Tech is a four or a three, something like that. Okay, let's go to the Midwest. That's the one right under this. Let's go game by game. Go ahead. Drexel. Oh, no. No. You knocked (laughs) Illinois out already? Yeah. Do you know know. where? The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. And Phil's mom is the only one who knocked Illinois out by now, even though she knocked them out in the first round. They went out in the second round in, I don't know if that's the biggest upset, because Oral Roberts may be the biggest upset, but that's what we'll talk to Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper about, which is the biggest upset. And we will catch you up on how all the celebrities have done um, but first, I just I wanted to make a couple of comments. We have half the Sweet 16 field in. There are no Big Ten teams in it. Uh, I sat here a number of times and I said, I don't know much about this tournament because I haven't really been able to ascertain who's good and who's not good because of the sort of staggered way that the season went. But I said, if I had to bet on one thing, I would bet on all the Big Ten teams and all the Big 12 teams in the first round. And I said that, and I know I said that. And the Big Ten, a bunch of teams got through the first round, but so far none have gotten through the second round. Illinois is out. Purdue is out. Uh, Purdue went out in the first round. Ohio State went out in the first round. Rutgers went out last night. They got, we got no Big Ten teams. We've got half the Sweet 16 field, eight teams, and no Big Ten teams. We've got Loyola from the Missouri Valley Conference beating Illinois, which Wilbon has mixed emotions about. We have Baylor, and I will tell you that I thought Baylor looked better than I thought. Baylor looked good from the Big 12. Villanova, which nobody thought was getting out of the first round. They were going to lose to Winthrop. That's a team from the Big East. Arkansas is a team from the SEC. The SEC a little better than I thought. Syracuse, the eighth-place team in the ACC, got in there, and I have words to say about them in a second. Oregon State, Pac-12, I don't think any Pac-12 teams have lost. The Pac-12, which I thought was garbage, I don't think anybody has lost. And Houston is from the American Conference, and Oral Roberts, I don't even know what conference they're in. I, I, I honestly, I sit here, I don't know what conference they won in order to get in, and that's probably the biggest upset. And they, are, they won twice. They won twice. There are 15, and they won twice, but no Big Ten teams. There were two games in particular I wanted to talk about. One was the Texas Tech game. Texas Tech lost to Arkansas. Texas Tech on their final – did they lose by two points? Can somebody look this up? What by did, two. By two. Texas Tech's had chance to tie. final two possessions of the game. They had a guy with the ball going to the basket, nobody in front of them. They had two layups. They missed them both. They could have tied that game, gone to overtime, or hit the shot and got fouled. They have nobody to blame but themselves. Texas Tech should have tied Arkansas and gone on with a chance to win the and game. And the lane at the other end, right before the foul, was just an incredible feat of athleticism yeah. to get that in. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, Arkansas is a good team, but Texas Tech should have won that. And Syracuse, and I know this makes Chris Saliza miserable that Syracuse has gone to the Sweet 16 when Georgetown got pounded. I thought Chris loved Buddy Beheim. Well, he hates Buddy Beheim. He hates Jimmy Beheim. He hates Eric Dievendorf. He hates everybody that ever went to Syracuse. <laughs> and this is making Saliza utterly miserable. Georgetown pounded, not even in the game. You know, t- Georgetown rolled over by um, Colorado, like a fifth-place team or something like that. Syracuse in the Sweet 16 again. Jim Beheim is one of the greatest NCAA tournament coaches of all time, and there's a very specific reason not to denigrate Beheim at all as a coach. Beheim uses something called a matchup zone on defense. The conference that he is in, they see that twice a year, so coaches prepare and they drill and they practice, and it's not as effective as if you have never seen it. Syracuse is playing a team, they don't even know what it is, right? Who did Syracuse beat? They beat West Virginia. 
Huggins doesn't know. He's never seen. I mean, he sees it once a year if he sees it at all. If he gets to but watch with the restrictions of the tournament, how are you supposed to prep for that if you're not getting the two times a year chance? You can't prep for it. You can't get your defensive players, your Even practice if you know squad. It's you, you can't. You don't have good enough players to do it. Beheim's ability to get to the Sweet 16 is almost unparalleled. He gets to the Sweet 16 all the time. Look up Jimmy Beheim's record in the tournament. It's really good. It's really good. The, the zone has something to do with it because they don't know what to do. I thought they would lose that game. I said this out loud yesterday when Doliaz went out with 14.53 to go in the second half with four fouls. He's their anchor on defense, and the ball runs through him on offense, though he's not a great scorer. I said, that's it. West Virginia will win, and they didn't win. Buddy Beheim, I think, hit 7 out of 11 from three points. And Syracuse wins that game and goes to the Sweet 16. Again, like an eighth-place team in the ACC. This is, this is replete with upsets. Um, so, all, so after watching the first round and a half of this and sort yeah. of moving past your Big Ten argument where you really were m- most confident in the first round, but yes, if you look at this, what do you think the impact of coaching has been and then coaching along with veteran leadership on the actual court? I would say that coaching has had an enormous play in this, absolutely enormous, because you're playing teams you have never seen before, and the job as a coach to pre- is to prepare his team for any eventuality. And I think when you see this amount of upsets, the, 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 teams, the teams without the better rosters have been better prepared. And a lot of those teams, like Oklahoma State went out, you know, a very hot team lately. They went out to Oregon State, Pac-12. Um, a, a, lot of, a lot of these teams that have advanced have veterans. You know, they're not one-and-done teams. They have veterans, and they've been together for a while. Loyola, nobody leaves early at Loyola. Nobody's going to the pros at Loyola. That's one of the things they do. Oral Roberts seemed to have a lot of veterans there. Syracuse doesn't have freshmen, actually. Well, then you wonder with last year's tournament canceled, what's been the impact of having these seniors and juniors together now for you know a year plus under some of these conditions? Although Virginia has a veteran team, and Virginia went out again in the first round. But not round. getting there till Friday. Right. You sort of have to count that, right? Yeah, I think the virus protocols had something to do with that. You've, you've been keeping track of all the celebrities. I just want to know, is Phil's mom, don't tell me she's in last. Phil's mom, decidedly not at the bottom of the board. Do we so want to start good. from the bottom? This, this uh, could be timely given today's guest. Yeah, sure. Chuck Culpepper sitting at the bottom. He's at the bottom? Uh, Chuck Culpepper sitting at the bottom. Actually, no, he's, he might be, I think Saliz is actually, oh, no. It's not actually in order. My, my computer is not putting this in order. So let me do. Okay. I go to totals. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Chuck Culpepper and Saliza sitting at the bottom. Okay. Barry's for Lugo. Third from the bottom. Will Bond right there. Phil's mom in that mix as well. But Phil's uh, mom not at the bottom. Phil's mom not at the bottom. And alive with Creighton, a team that everybody thought would be tossed so this is early. Get, this is where it gets interesting. People like Saliza, Culpepper, almost. 80% of, of our picks have Gonzaga, so their, their right. upper limit is still pretty good. We yeah. have somebody like Wilbon, who had Illinois yeah, going Illinois. all the way. It's going to be tough because his max score is just not as high as Didn't I mean, others. like, I guess the dumbest thing would have been to take Ohio State all the way out. Did anybody we know who might be listening <laughs> to this show might be a factor on this show have Ohio State getting to the finals? No, interestingly, the person that you are alluding to Nigel. dropped Ohio State. When did you, when did you drop Ohio, OSU? Did you oh, drop Ohio State, Nigel? Oh, uh, you know, I don't have my bracket in front of me. I thought I had them going all the way to um to the, to the finals. finals. Did, did I not do that? Yeah, I, thought, yeah I think you have them losing to Gonzaga. So your your upper limit's not that great, but you're, you're still yeah. in the mix. Okay. Well, Leon yeah, had a good first weekend. Leon, Leon picked Ohio. Strong with Ohio. Yeah. Brian Polian leading again. Really? Yeah. What did he did, comes out strong? It must, it's the coach's instinct. Did he you. have any particular upsets? I can I can double click into his bracket. Let's see what he's got. Uh, nothing too big. I mean, he had he did go with Villanova. Okay, he went with Villanova. He had Texas Tech through the, you know, he's still at Arkansas going through there. He had Oral Roberts. You're kidding? I'm not kidding. He had Oral Roberts over Ohio State. He had or, oh. Oral Roberts over OSU, yeah. Wow. I think Greg Garcia had Oral Roberts as well. He still has Creighton. Right. Uh, So, yeah, I think those are his big ones. Am I right on this, that the Pac-12 is still fully intact? 
that the Pac-12, that UCLA, Oregon State, USC, Oregon, and Colorado yeah, are all in it? He's winning two games, too. Brian Polian did? Yeah. So he knows what he's doing. Again, coach's instinct. So he's in first place? He is in first place for us, yes. Who's in second or third place? Going back to that, have to load the internet. We have... Mm. So as soon as it reboots it, it just puts all of my bracket picks together. We have still loading, still loading. I think Nigel's actually in second place for right now. Steve Sands in third, Tory Clark in fourth, then Leon. Chuck Todd right there in the mix, too. Chuck Todd usually finishes last, well, he doesn't does he? His, he does his homework. Yeah, but I just thought, Nigel, doesn't Chuck usually finish last or so close Liza, to last? Saliza finishes he, near yeah, last. Saliza. Yeah, so Liz is And usually actually, you never finished the bracket this year, so you were right there because I yeah. actually put your name in just to see how low you'd finish. Yeah. I think mathematically, you're not, you don't have a good upper score. Well, because I didn't fill out a bracket, but I'm probably still ahead of Saliza, even though I didn't fill out a bracket. Saliza <laughs> probably had, like Wilbon had Georgetown all the way to the Sweet 16. Yeah, again, we're all winning because Saliza has to watch Buddy Bayham for another game. It makes me very <laughs> exactly. happy. By the way, Oral Roberts in the Summit League. That is where they, that's the league that they play in. Who else is in the Summit League? I don't, you know, I don't know anything about it. Um, Oral Roberts, a long, long time ago, Oral Roberts, if I'm not mistaken, like 40 years ago, they had, they were a pretty good team um, for a while. And they had a guy named Frenchie Fuqua, I believe, oh, yes. who played in the NBA for a little bit. And that that's was right. probably the last time that they ever won a tournament game. Whereas Loyola, just just three years ago that Loyola went to, they went to the Final Four. The coach of Loyola, he's still there. Most of the time, you take a run like that and you get oh. another job. And he stayed there. I think his name is Moser. Am I mistaken on that? I'm not certain about that. But he's still there. He, he gets to the – he's in the Sweet 16. You know, you would think that a lot of schools would say, here's a bunch of money. We think you're good. So, anyway. All right, is there anything else we need to open with or is – no, I think just, it's, just we got to see a lot of my favorite player now in the tournament, Krutwig yesterday. Krutwig, the center, Krutwig. the big left-handed center for Loyola of Chicago. Yeah, I wonder if, the, did he grow up in Wilbon's neighborhood too? Because Wilbon was, Wilbon was so conflicted about this, about who he should root for. With He hated that they were playing in the second round, but he accepted but that they had to they play. But now you see why they put them in the second round. It, that was, to play you know, TV match. Yeah, that was the big TV game. All right, so we will take a break. Oh, and by then the way, we will I, come back and Wilbon, go ahead. I got, I got a text from Phil. He said, mom had Loyola, Oregon State, and Syracuse. Nobody else in America had that. So, Right. So that's yeah. wonderful. So good for her. Good for her. Yes. All right. We'll take yes. a break, and uh, we will come back. Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. So this is the Zip Recruiter ad, and this is a brand new ad. I haven't seen it before. I'll just read the copy. Good news for diehard MLB fans, you will be allowed to attend games this season where you sit in pods with your group. Sporting arenas aren't the only places that are slowly returning back to normal. Businesses everywhere are making the gradual shift towards normalcy, which means more hiring. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in, and right now you can try it for free, only at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. Why are millions of businesses fans of ZipRecruiter? Because ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. First, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites in just one click. Then ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. No wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free only at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. See why companies go wild for ZipRecruiter. When you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash T-O-N-Y. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called A Little More Rock and Roll. It is sent to us by Steve Lipton on behalf of his dear friend, Mark Bryan. These are from Mark Bryan's upcoming solo album, Midlife Priceless. They grew up together in Montgomery Village, Maryland, and Mark and his manager, Josh Bloom, have given permission for us to play a couple of songs. This is called A Little More Rock and Roll. And by the way, he also extends an invitation to us to play in the 2021 Monday After the Masters charity golf tournament. We're working on it. We got to think about that. <laughs> Wilbon joins us now. And Wilbon, it's not like Wilbon had a midlife crisis. But 
this was something that Michael Wilbon knew was going to happen, though he hoped it would happen in a later round. But it happened in the second round, where two schools that he knows very well, the University of Illinois, who he picked to win the entire tournament, and Loyola of Chicago, who he was deathly afraid of, would meet. They met, and Loyola won. Describe to us your apprehension, and then what happened as you watched the game. Um, Tony, my apprehension was that it was more than apprehension. You know, I was damn certain about it. Um, Illinois, which I, I've been telling you since Christmas. I started with Christmas watching. I didn't watch much college basketball. Neither one of us did. But I just, I was certain that Illinois was really, really, really good. And, of course, they were really, really, really good because they got a number one seed, the NCAA men's basketball yep. tournament. Yep. But, yep. but, but. And one of the things that Illinois had, it was just a natural arrogance about itself, swag, as they call it now. But I knew the one school that Illinois didn't want to play and the one school that would be not just unafraid, but would have that, like, reverse swag. And they would just say, we can't wait to play you. We can't wait to take a slingshot and hit you in the mouth would be Loyola. Yeah. I mean, because not, not all the kids on both teams are from Chicago. It's not like that. But there are enough of them. There are enough of these kids from Chicago. They've, they've played each other their, all their lives. I mean, you know, the, the kid, I'm drawing a blank on his name now, number one on Loyola in I.O., those kids, they've been friends like their, their, whole, their, their whole lives. They've gone to public school. Maybe they didn't go to school together, but they play. They play each other. They play each other in AAU. They probably played each other in AAU tournaments where they played in the same building in Indiana, where this game took place yesterday. They did, so they couldn't wait. They hate Illinois. This is like some years ago when Kentucky wouldn't play Louisville, you know, and they finally paired them. The the the, 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 the men's selection committee paired them, and they didn't pair them. They, I think they paired them in the second round as well. And, and Louisville just beat the daylights out of Kentucky. And that's, that's, that's what I knew was going to happen. Not, not they're going to beat the daylights out of them, but I just knew, okay, Illinois knows that Loyola has no regard for them. The kids know. And so people, when they talk about this game yesterday, no one mentions that. Because people, you know, I don't know, there's nobody for doing games who's from Chicago, I guess, uh, on the set or doing the games themselves, it seems, because they just missed it. No one, no one understood that. Going into the game, everybody from Chicago understood it. I had a text chain yesterday, Tom, where people were just going, okay, what is Illinois going to do to counter all the stuff that Loyola already knows about it? And the answer was nothing. So let me, let me ask you this question. Led, they never led in the right, game. No, I, they didn't leave I know. one possession. So th- this is a serious question. When you have a situation like this, the Illinois kids are more heavily recruited than the Loyola kids. Everybody understands yeah. that. Do yeah. you believe, do you honestly believe that it is an advantage for Loyola, the sort of envy and hatred of yeah. Illinois? Or do you think, but Illinois has better players? Shouldn't no, that be the that advantage? Okay. They're not that much better. Illinois has, a, Illinois has two pros. I don't know if Loyola has any, but it's not like, you know, it's not like there's somebody had LeBron and therefore it negates right. that dynamic you're talking about. We Tony, right. every year, and you, we talk about this a little bit because it's, you know, it's not all that important, but every year the MAC teams, the MAC teams can't wait. Ohio and Miami, Ohio and Central Michigan and Northern Illinois, every year they, they, they play non-conference games against the Big Ten in football. Right. And almost every year there's an upset. Because now you're talking about not just a couple of kids, you're talking about 20, there might be 25 kids from that same community so that Central Michigan can go out there and, and really give a game to Michigan State or Iowa. These kids, have been, they, they know each other inside out. So right. I think probably some cross high school situation. So I, do I think it's an advantage? It's not an advantage in a series if they played it, but it's, a, it's, it's an advantage for the moment. And Loyola is good. They're 24-4. and four. 
they were improperly seeded so that the NCAA and CBS Turner could have a match right. it knew would draw. And they right. didn't give a damn about sacrificing Loyola. That's all they thought about. Sacri- okay, this will be a good tune-up for Illinois. Oh, yeah? I mean, I, Tony, you know how certain I was of this when the bracket came out. No, I, I, and so I mean, look, I, I think... about Loyola. And Loyola's a top-10 team. That's right. I thought... I thought they, they, they did it one round too early, but I would have applauded yeah. the matchup yeah. at any time. I just thought it was one round too early. The other part of this, though, Mike, we have now half the Sweet 16 field. Half are in. No Big Ten teams. I couldn't have been more wrong, and you couldn't have been more wrong so far about That's the right. Big Ten, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I, I thought they were the best conference. Look, there have been times when the ACC was the best conference and teams got just popped. But right. the Big Ten has the Big Ten has like yoke all over its face today. Now look, yes. there's three there are three Big Ten teams left that can right. that can win. Michigan, Iowa. So there's a as a one seed, and, and, and Michigan. I don't know. You know, that well, they get livers, livers you know, is out. Not, yeah, not there. Yeah. Um, right. Iowa and Maryland, and so yeah. you know, and and but 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 Tony, the choke. I mean, look, I understand that Rutgers is you know new to this. And 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 Pico is a good coach, and what he's done to get that thing turned and get Rutgers competitive. But they, I mean, they had like they tried to milk the clock like it was 1968 with the four corners. And you're just going, what? What are you people doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What yeah, are you what doing are you doing? The whole game, and and so, um, I, you know, they just that was an unbelievable choke, Rutgers, because they're up ten. They're up ten on a on a three seed or two seed, and so he's just like okay, you know. So the, the Big Ten is completely embarrassed so far. They still have three teams. Some conferences don't have three get in. They have three teams, but you know there's got to be an upset to keep going. Except for uh, Michigan, I guess Iowa's still a higher seeded team. Maryland is playing a two seed. Maryland's playing a, a a two or three in Alabama. So, is Maryland playing Alabama? Is that right? Uh, Alabama so anyway, almost went out. Oh, they, I mean, they almost, Iona they gave them fits. Out. Yeah, Iona gave yeah. them fits. So, are there so, any I, you know, any games that you watched that you loved that you weren't necessarily involved uh, in emotionally, but you loved them? Yeah, all of them. I got involved in all okay. of them. Okay. So, you I loved them all. Friday, third, whenever we were on, I said, Tony, the tournament can still grab you by the heart. It can. And it did. Like, I got into that uh, Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State-Oregon State Oregon game State. last night. I got into that. I got into the lot. Syracuse. Syracuse was a great game. It's a great game. Yes. It was a great game. all of it. How does Arkansas – Arkansas comes back, and then these kids have these drives to the back. Layups. They're going to produce a layup. They have the they last the two possessions. So, yes. missiles. Last two possessions by Texas Tech, they have layups. Yeah, yeah wow. it's why it's why it's why more than one thing can be true. All right, so so greatest event, but it's also you know people say, oh, these kids can beat an NBA, a bad NBA team. Be quiet, mm. people. No, 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 these no, kids no, no. can't. They can't get the ball across half court sometimes for like five possessions. They can't make layups. It's it's irresistible. But don't tell me they're even close to pros. So the other thing that we would talk about if we were together on the air, not today because PTI is not on today, but tomorrow, the other thing is the coronavirus reared its head. VCU went out. Yeah. They're out. Yeah. And, and yeah. so as much as you can watch the games and love the games, in the back of your mind, you have to be you know, looking for the hawk right over your head, right, to reach down with its talons and knock you out. What did you think of that? I, you know, Tony, I, I, I wasn't preoccupied with that. Not at all. Okay. I mean, okay. It, you know, I, I'm sorry it happened. I'm so, I, I'd have been sorry it happened to anyone. You know, I, I'm not particularly close to VCU. Who was it? Oregon? Is that what it, No. Who was Who played? Yeah, VCU, Oregon. Yeah, VCU, yeah. Oregon. I, I, I didn't. Because there's too much, there's, there was too much exciting stuff going on. And maybe because I was so obsessed this weekend with Illinois versus Loyola. Um, and I was obsessed. I, I was more obsessed about that game than I've probably been about any first-round game except the year that we were in, or the Western was in. Loyola's down the street from, from, from where I live. Loyola, 
Loyola, you have, you cannot get from where I live, either now or grew up or when I was a student. You can't get to Northwestern without literally driving through the campus of Loyola. So Loyola is not something to me like, you know, um, it's, a, it's, oh, it's over there. It's somewhere else. It's been, no, 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 no. This is, this is, and, and my mom is a Loyola alum. And it's just, so I was so obsessed with that that I, and, and what I thought was the unfairness of it, of that game having to be played. Look, if Illinois gets to play another game, and by the way, I told you yesterday, I cannot root for Illinois, though I picked them to win the tournament. Right. I cannot root for Illinois to beat Loyola. I cannot do that. Even though my bracket is now gone to hell. <laughs> yes, it so, is. So, I mean, the familiarity of the people, uh, all the people in or in and around that that game yesterday, and that that's that's a huge story. That's like when you know Maryland played Georgetown in the tournament here for for this for the DMV. So yes, yeah, so I didn't the VCU thing. I look, Tony, we knew it could happen. I'm sorry it happened, but no, it didn't. I didn't watch with that in mind at all. So I got two questions. One is very specific, and one is a little bit more general. The specific question is, how does Loyola keep that coach? How could that coach not yeah. be poached by a larger school? And the more general question is, Virginia out again in the first round. Again. Well, this isn't bare. It, this, see, the, the, the COVID, the Hawks got Virginia right. before the bracket. Right. Okay. Like it got them when they had to, it got them during the ACC tournament when they had to withdraw. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, to me, that doesn't have anything to do. You're sitting around, Jay Billis said, Definitively, I was on Jay Billis had a bracket special, and I was on it as a guest of his. Uh, I don't know one night last week, and you know, Billis just said, "Listen, I mean, Virginia's going down here. That, that's going to yeah. happen because they they couldn't practice. They, they didn't, you know, there was no there was, and people didn't know that Ohio has an NBA player, a mid first round draft pick on its team, Jared, whatever that kid's like. Can't think of his last name, but so." That that to me was a non. I'm sitting there. I was wearing Virginia colors so I could stay in my house on good terms with a person who lives here. Yes. And uh, I said, Cheryl, don't get your hopes up. Don't get don't get crazy because Virginia's likely not going to win this game. What about and the coach at Loyola, Loyola. Moser? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> This guy's so good, Tony. Well, I mean, what more he, do you want from a guy? I mean, come on. You don't. You can't. But Tony, Tony, yeah, remember. Just... First of all, this guy. If he's not dying to be in the SEC or the ACC, I'm sorry. He lives on the North Shore in Chicago, Illinois, a place where, in the last few years, you've been a couple of times and you have loved it. And you said, "Oh my God, this is beautiful." Okay, beautiful. The same Lake Shore. That borders northwest. That Northwestern's campus runs through. I just told you you can't yeah. drive to Northwestern without going to Loyola. He shares the same lakeshore we do. It's not like he's in the hood. He's 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 in the North Shore of Chicago, um, and he's got a beautiful campus. You know, I mean, people don't know about it, but it's a, it's a good school. Listen. He's got kids. And Tony, those kids, they're not recruit. I'm not sure if we recruit any of those kids. And they come in and they play. And he's got it going. He's tremendous. Tony, he took advantage of Illinois yesterday. I mean, he beat their brains. He outsmarted them. Defensively, he came up with schemes. He communicated that to his players. They knew exactly what they were going to do to Io. Io basically got exposed. He's still a tremendous player, and he's gonna be drafted. You know, maybe late first round or something like that. But Tony, they basically said to him, "Listen, son, we love you, but we know you can't go to your left to save your life, and we're not letting you go right today. Not today, Hal Sutton. Well, to be the right club today, that's be right. The right defense today. They, Tony, Illinois never led. Not only that." In early in the game, I just I, I, Don and I are on text messages. I go, Don, Illinois has no chance in this game. They have no chance to win this game, and that coach is a big reason why. Now, I think I think Loyola can get to the Final Four. These things are so very tenuous, but I think Loyola 
Loyola can get to the Final Four again. Look at their draw now. Look who they got. I mean, there's no, there's no David anymore. They're on even terms. I don't care what the seeding is. Loyola Chicago is now on even terms with the teams left in their region, to me. All right, one more. One more question, I'll get you out of here. How about Bayheim again? Sweet 16 again. His record, it's unbelievable, his record in this tournament. It is, because nobody's seen the zone. They've never seen it. This is is his 21st Sweet 16, Bayheim. 21st. And and he, he does better. He convinces these teams, by the way. It was great to hear Charles last night. Look, I, I watched basketball yesterday. I, 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 I may have watched more basketball yesterday than any day in my life. I mean, I mean this literally. Because I started watching at noon, and I turned the TV off at one thirty last night when, when Charles and Kenny and Ernie um, um, went off, and Andy Katz. Andy Katz, who was great with them, great. And I watched that, and I just, you know, they talked about Behan and Buddy Behan. And the question came up, you know, can Buddy Behan play at the next level? And Charles was, oh, yeah. Charles and Kenny, you can hear them going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's on the next level. He's there already. Tony, he shoots it. He, you know, he can have one of those careers. Maybe he can be Steve Kerr, except he's like 6'7". He can be a guy who on a good team particularly, he won't be drafted like in the top whatever. He'll be, but, Tony, he just strokes it. It's going in. And, 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 and Jim said, how about this? Beheim said on air, he said he's the hardest worker I've ever had. And it's not close. How about that? Jim Beheim has way, sent people to the NBA for 40 years. And he says, yeah. Yeah. This kid, my son, is the hardest working kid I've ever had, and it's not close. I was a wow. I, I want to. I want to call Behan and just leave a message for him. I don't you even, should do that. This, what, by the By the yeah, way, you oh should. My God. There's one other message you should leave, and I'll get you out. Your boy Charles Barkley, his daughter got married, and she married mm-hmm. on my side of the street. I just want to tell you Christiana. that. I'm pretty happy about that. So, yes. So we say Mazel Tov. I got to tell you a real quick story. Okay. So Charles, when they start dating, um, they start dating, and Todd, you know, Charles and I are sitting around having a bite somewhere in Arizona, and Charles talks about it, talks about this kid, and I go, Chuck, what, do you like the kid? Chuck goes, No, I, I don't like him. I love him. I want him to propose tomorrow. I mean, how, how would your father say this? And imagine what this kid must feel when he finds out he's got to meet Charles Barkley. You know, and, and so. The kid was terrified. Of course he was terrified. And Charles loved that he was terrified for like a day. And then Charles basically said to Christiana, don't screw this up. <laughs> this kid is great. I love him more no, than anybody you've bought home. And so cool. I've known about this kid. And I can't think of his name. I'm sorry. I can't think of his name. Ilya. And his first name is Ilya. Couple. Yeah. He's Ilya. great. got married two Saturdays ago. Very lovely. And, I, know, I just read about it. Time, for weeks, for weeks, Chuck was saying, this is great. You know, how often, you know, think of all the people, particularly, you know, crazy, crazy fathers who don't want to give up their daughter and don't, you know, don't like the son-in-law to be. And Chuck said, I, I love this kid. And that's, that's the way they, they start out with the blessing of all blessings from Chuck. It's just wonderful because that means that Charles next Sunday has to go to the first Seder. And I want Charles to ask the four <laughs> questions. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you all later. Right, Michael Wilbon, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with Chuck Culpepper. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Sunday wants us to talk about any home projects that Liz and I have finished over the winter. Now, we, we, did, the, we did the storage in the basement. Now, we have right. some new bathroom tile. But you know what? Spring is not just around the corner. It's here. It's here. It's literally here. And that here. means it's time to get the lawn on track because, as you know, I want my lawn to be the envy of the neighbors. Uh, I know, I know. The last thing anyone needs is another complicated or toxic lawn product. And trust me, I've been there, and I remember the results. Sunday is more than a lawn care product. It's a customized lawn plan that works with nature. They take out all the guesswork and unwanted chemicals. So you can grow a beautiful lawn that's better for people, pets, and planets. They want me to talk about what I like most about Sunday Lawn Care. What's actually really great now is I'm getting people reaching out to me. Rob Colpian's talking to me about, should I get Sunday? What, what are the benefits? And then I can double down on 
well, it's great if you got pets. It's, it's, it's great. It's safe for the pets, for the kids, for Bootsy and the Hammer now that we're still playing in our yard more yeah. than going out to, to a lot of parks. I know that I can trust having them in the grass. And even we played golf the other week with Andrew at Columbia. He told me he was using Sunday lawn care. So what impressed me the most about the free lawn analysis? Well, they did it. I'm yeah. not a chemist. So the fact that it was returned to me and they told me what to put on my grass was a positive. And you know, it's so great. You put your address in, you go to sunday.com, you put in your home address and their free lawn analysis will give you just what you need. Even if you don't do the soil test, which, which I did cause I doubled down on that kind of insider info. Sunday uses soil and climate data to create a tailored nutrient plan. So you get all the stuff your lawn needs and nothing it doesn't. And again, if you're trying to create the perfect half a regulation sized lawn court, lawn <laughs> that's all that's what you need sunday is made with ingredients that you can actually pronounce like seaweed iron molasses so you can grow better and feel better about it so they have molasses in there so oh, if you tough. if you lick the grass it's going to taste good oh, at some point nice. maybe i'll i mean that's what the babies will do they'll lick the grass just like dogs well, henry do. has been known to eat the grass there you go sunday explains what exactly what you get and why and everything is sent straight to your door right when you need it more than that they actually tell you how and when to apply it, because that's, that's really helpful for the timing. All you have to do is attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Lawn care used to take up my whole day. Now it'll take less than 15 minutes. Best of all, the stuff really works. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of growing a greener, more beautiful lawn this spring. Visit GetSunday.com Tony to get $20 off your custom lawn plan at checkout. That's $20 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com Tony. Good job. Thanks, Dad. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I gotta get out of town. Once more, this is Mark Bryan from his album Midlife Priceless, which will be released on April the 2nd. Available now for pre-purchase at markbryanmusic.com with a 15% discount for using the code Midlife Priceless. Use the code, people. And in the note, talked about being invited to the Monday after the Masters tournament. It's at the Die course. Um, it's actually going to be held in September. It's at the Die course at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. And Michael, Steve wanted me to tell you the course was designed by Pete Dye, features fairways that are GN1 Bermuda grass with approaches that are composed of Tiftwarf Bermuda grass and greens that showcase champion ultra ultra dwarf. That's hard to say. Ultra dwarf. I'm interested. The dramatic visual effects are achieved by the centipede and zoysia grass roughs. What's not to like? So oh, yeah. So you're gonna you and yeah, I are gonna go set to up this. nicely if you're in the rough. Yeah, we're gonna go. That song has got to get out of town. Mark Bryan for many many years, of course, and still does. I'm sure when they play together, played with Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, Chuck Culpepper joins us now. He is in Indianapolis for the Washington Post and seeing these games live. And so my first question before we get into the particulars of, of who lost and who won is does it feel like the NCAA tournament to you? Because when I watch it on television and it's very, very sparse crowds and we haven't gotten into the real big halls yet, it's not quite the NCAA tournament to me, but you're there. How does it feel? I would say strangely a bit more like the NCAA tournament than I expected, probably because, um, as some of the players have said, once you get on the court, uh, and I'm not on the court, but once right. you get on the court and watch them on the court, um, it's, it's intense and it's clear the meaning of it and it has that urgency about it and all of that. But, yeah, around it, I mean, I saw – I was walking out of the glorious – Hinkle Fieldhouse the other day and, um, you know, National Registry of Historic Places, mm -hmm. all that. And I saw this one guy, one schlub in a uh, Syracuse wig, bright orange, <laughs> and I almost started crying. It was so beautiful, you know, just one. He was up there in the rafters alone, just taking photos, waiting for the, his game to start in about three hours or something, whatever, however long it takes him to scrub the backboards and all that. And so it just, I, would, I just looked at him and thought, okay, that's what I miss right there. So it feels like it when I look at it. And then when I look around, then there's just one guy in a Syracuse wig or something like that. Wilbon and I just talked about Syracuse and I talked about it in the open. I don't want to belabor it. And I know I'm going to sound like I am, but 
Jim Beheim's record in the NCAA tournament is astonishing. It is so good. They seed him the last three or four times they've seeded him. They've seeded him way down, like 10s and 11s. And people scream all the time they shouldn't be in it. And he ends up in the Sweet 16. So you want to say, hey, shut up. The guy wins two games all the time. I mean, what, what do you think about Beheim's record in this tournament? I think that something his son brought up yesterday could maybe help explain it which is uh, that people don't see that zone defense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the ACC. They do. So they, they have a better idea about it. And, and that's why it's tougher sledding in the ACC during the winter. When you get to this point of the season, you find teams who haven't seen it and they're mystified. And that in West Virginia certainly looked flustered yes. first half yesterday, San Diego state before that sports writer named Evan Barnes in Memphis uh, pointed out something on Twitter. His first 35 years in the tournament, he went to the Elite Eight three times. I think all of them to the Final Four, two, uh, two runner-up runner up finishes in one title. And then the last 10, he's been four times to the Elite Eight. And uh, Evan thinks that that could relate to the what something we've talked about before, which is the caliber of the sport having diminished somewhat by all the one-and-dones and so on. And, over the, and so teams even more unprepared uh, to, to see this thing, this puzzle, this maze of the zone than they were in, in Bayheim's earlier years coaching. Or maybe he's just gotten better and better and better. But it's a great record. There's no arguing that. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that the biggest upset in your mind is Oral Roberts over Ohio State, or would you say that it was Illinois going out to a neighborhood school? I would say Illinois, based on how it looked, if uh, if the Ramblers had been some sort of, you know, sort of em- played like an emotional underdog that held them off at the end or, or something like that, then, uh, you know, I thought that was definitely a possibility. And I, I did think before that game that it was a shame that the tournament was going to lose one of them so early because they're both magnificent to watch. But the way it looked, I could not get over the way it looked and how Loyola just looked like, you know, a two seed rather than an eight. Uh, it just looked like they mastered the game. They, I wouldn't say dominated, but they just, they never caused their fans a moment when, you know, you're going to have a shorter life in the end because you watch that game. It was just, it was just so impressive. Their plan, how they carried it out, how they uh, just, they took a one seed who I thought was going to win the whole tournament, which automatically meant that they were not to me, but um, they took a one seed and just completely deprogrammed them, made them look like somebody else. So I was floored by that. I I mean, I'll, I'll step back from this. I was, as were many people, you know, your jaw is on the floor that the big 10 has just folded up. Yeah, I mean, they look like the best conference. Anybody would have said they look like the best conference, and they have gone down in droves, right? Oh, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how anybody could explain it. Maybe we shouldn't look for an explanation at all. It, it is unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. And, and then you had, you, it looked like you're going to have, as a Sweet 16 uh, representative, Rutgers. And then that yeah. thing collapsed, and yes, you know one of those one of those uh, games that you could never get over. I think if you were in it, and, and that happened to you, so you know you'd be forty two years old one day, sitting in the office thinking about that all of a sudden. But I think um, it's just I don't I don't get it at all. I feel the same way, but I also feel as I look at what's left, I feel the path for Gonzaga has gotten much easier just much easier. Do you agree with that? I do. And I think the way they looked in their, whatever we can read from a one sixteen game looked distinctly a cut above anything else I've seen in the tournament. I, I went oh, to that, their game with Norfolk state. Um, I thought that they just look like they have this, this kind of caliber that's, that's beyond what anybody else has. And, and yes, I think it's, they, there's been a lot of trouble cleared out for them already 
and just gotten started. Yeah. Let, let me get to the news story, which, which has not been overplayed. It's probably been underplayed, but I don't know what it means going forward. And the news story, of course, is that VCU had an outbreak of players and staff, and they could not play. I have an, an easy question and then a harder question. The easy question is, why was the game canceled? Why didn't they take one of those four teams that was allegedly ready to go and stick them in the draw? I'm sure there's a, a good reason for that. And two, is what is the fear factor going forward, or do you anticipate the bubble being of greater magnitude as they all go forward? So the first one, there was a deadline of last Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. And if nobody had, dro- had to drop out by then, um, then no, none of those, repla- those replacements were sort of free to go on about their lives mm-hmm. as it would have been without being in the tournament at that point. So that was, that was everything after last Tuesday night at 9 o'clock was going to be a no contest okay. once, you know, okay. once it happened, the way it happened in several of the conference tournaments. You know, and I, in my own head, the fear factor is large um, going forward. I, I, I dread, you know, the thought of some, somebody else going through that. And, and one of the things, if you talk to people who are, I talked to a few people who were organizing conference tournaments. And one thing they said was, if you can get a team to the tournament safely, we'll keep it safe while it's there. Now, that didn't work a few times and nobody knows why you know virginia duke kansas north carolina a and t uh several more no one knows why you know they suddenly had outbreaks when they're in these in these safe places and a lot of the uh the virus is a mystery anyway and unknown still at this point um so there there is some degree of confidence just that i heard from them that once you get to a place and know the routines you're going to be okay but how how did that happen? And I don't know if will we ever know how that happened. I, I'm not sure we'll ever know how that happened. So it's 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 still baffling in a lot of ways. You know, there's still a lot of those questions in in general with the CDC and and European countries and Asian countries and everything where we just we still don't know you know the answers to, to why some you know why does a positive test turn up here when it didn't. The, the previous week, if you've gotten here and you've gone through all the protocols, and I don't understand that. I think I think I agree with you that it is looming. I hope it does not strike, but I I am not going to be surprised if it does strike. I'll move back to the basketball. If there were two teams that almost everybody had out in the first round, almost everybody it was Villanova and Creighton. They're still there. What do you make of that? I know. I know. This, I mean. One thing about Villanova, I went to the Villanova-Winthrop game in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, home of the Indianapolis fuel of the uh, East Coast Hockey League. But yeah, we know them was, well. Yeah, we know them well. The fuel. It was quite a, uh, you know, it was, I'm, I'm not uh, saying this, the strange location or the unusual location had anything to do with, with that outcome. I do think one thing that happens is these things can be so emotional and everybody picked Winthrop to beat Villanova. Yeah. I think I yeah. had Winthrop yeah. through to the Sweet 16 just to amuse myself with, you know, the, the loveliness of it all. And uh, I, I think a lot of times, I've noticed a lot of times when that happens, then you then you better start uh, counting on the five seed, the higher seed, because, you know, because it's, it's emotional. And, and they've heard everybody say that they're not going to win. And so, and so they concentrate more, perhaps. And then they get North Texas in the second game instead of Purdue, which, uh, of course, Purdue, two years ago in the tournament, slaughtered them with Carson Edwards in that whole, you know, that whole run Purdue made. Um, that would have been interesting. So, but I, I just think it's a, a hell of a coaching job, again, from, from Jay Wright. And, and maybe, maybe a case of, you know, having a major injury and then, and then, like I said, concentrating more, I think. And then uh, Creighton, I didn't get to see that UC Santa Barbara game they played, but that was an either-or, you know, it was 63-62, I think, and it just, they were down late, and uh, that's, that's one of those, you know, 
just roll the dice, I think, toward the end to some degree. So we'll see how they do against Ohio, which yeah. beat Virginia, which, uh, of course, probably shouldn't have its tournament performance evaluated too too stringently after its COVID problems. I agree with that, but it's also feast or famine for Virginia. This is two first-round outs and a win, and just just nothing in between. And you just say, wow, that is, that's the oddest thing. I would say that overall, and I know that most of their teams have not played their second games, and that comes today, but the Pac-12, which I have publicly denigrated for two to three years now, they're still all in. They're all in. What do you make of that? There's... It's Bill Walton had it right all along, told us. Um, and I am especially amazed at the story of Oregon State. I just can't get over that story that, you know, I think they were 11 and 11. Now they're, I think, 18 and tw- or 19 and 12. And in the, uh, in the Sweet 16, completely redefined their season. Uh, looked, looked fantastic in the Pac 12 tournament. I watched quite a bit of that. And um, I mean, that thing just came out of, I don't think anybody was even, everybody thought they'd be 12th in the PAC 12 to start the year. I I don't think anybody was even paying any attention to that, uh, to what could happen there. And, you know, you have this coach, uh, Wayne Tinkle, who's married with three children and all five of those family members, uh, Two female, uh, three female, two male, played uh, have played Division One basketball. So it's it, then they're up in the stands, and I think it's just a great story that maybe because of the the uh, the ancient uh, problem of Eastern bias that that people haven't taken notice of, and um, I think it epitomizes what's happened with the Pac-12, as did you know Colorado shooting whatever it was. 75 out of 100 threes against Georgetown or whatever it was. It was astounding to watch. So, I w- yeah, I would say that if there were two schools that are in exactly the same position, it would be Oregon State and Georgetown. They had nothing going on until the right. tournament, and they came out of the tournament, and they both looked good, and won. Georgetown went down, totally down, and Oregon State kept going, right? I mean, that's the same team, basically. Same Am I wrong on trajectory. that? No, it's the same yeah. same number of losses, 12, same trajectory. You're not yeah. getting in the tournament unless yeah. you win that conference tournament. Uh, and then and then the Beavers have knocked out Tennessee and Oklahoma State, two pretty good teams, I mean, four and five seats. Um, just, they're, I'm just sad they come up against Loyola Chicago because I'd like both of them to stay around, you know, at least a, a, around longer for the tournament. I mean, it's... It's a, it's a great, it's a really interesting Sweet 16 game that almost nobody pegged. So enjoy yourself if you can. Hard work, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much, Tony. Chuck Culpepper, whose stuff is great in the Washington Post. Absolutely great. We will take a break. We will come back with email, jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That is Jay Covington. He is from Ellerby, North Carolina. We are appreciative with that jingle. Nigel, Bethesda Bagel ad, go ahead. Yes, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you will be thrilled. That's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, well, I could have been an actor, but I wound up here. I just have to look good. I don't have to be clear. Come and whisper in my ear, give us dirty laundry. I believe that's a Don Henley song. Am I correct on that? You are, sir. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors today, ZipRecruiter Sunday and Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, 
please leave and us a review. And before we get to email, any any initial thoughts on your new hull jacket from Johnny O? I just it's a I new got jacket. It's a jacket. It it is for the transitional season. Yeah, it's so great. It makes me look like if any of you have seen Raising Arizona, when John Goodman and his friend escape from prison, this is what they are wearing, and I'm wearing it now. And you can look that That's good great. too with yeah. code. TK clocks. Now yeah. that your body's fully adjusted. Go look at it. We could Michael and I call it a shacket, not a jacket, but it's got a hoodie and everything. It is I just look like a fool in it. Uh, but everybody seemed to have liked it. Carol said I look just like Larry David because I do look like Larry David. Um, here's a here's a very good email. Dear Dr. Grandpa, long time first time. I must say that I was more than a little insulted by your debate over the smartest animals on the podcast. You mentioned dogs and dolphins and elephants and even cats as supposedly intelligent creatures, but I submit to you they can't hold a candle to monkeys. Can a dog operate an iPad? Does a golf dolphin have the educated palate to enjoy the finer things in life, such as Johnny Walker Blue, in moderation, of course? Can a cat pick NFL games versus the point spreads better than your boy Chuck Todd? And finally, does any elephant keep a scrapbook full of image... Images, dignitaries, and sports legends spanning 40 years. The answer to all of this, of course, is no. How can you be so blind, sir? Signed, Reginald T. Monkey. Um, this is a long one. I'm going to read it. It's from Richard in Culpeper, Virginia. Your review of your major writing disappointments led to the recall of my own admittedly more modest letdown. Sometime in the mid-70s, I was a newly titled associate sports editor for the Cavalier Daily in Charlottesville. My editor chose me to accompany him and a photographer to the UVA-UNC football game. The qualifications that vaulted me above all the other associated sports editors were that I owned a car that seemed capable of making the trip and that it was large enough for the other two, plus some photographic equipment. I may have had to kick in some gas money as well. Nevertheless, I was thrilled to go to my first ACC game as a reporter. It was wonderful. It was a press pass with my name on it. Press parking right behind the stadium. I have to tell you, this is my exact feelings when I first got a job. All these great trinkets and gifts. A bevy of sports writer heroes in the press box with me. In retrospect, the press box was probably hovelish by current standards, and the writer heroes looked drunk or bored or both. I spent the first half taking notes and stats on every play. By halftime, as I was tallying drop passes, totals, or some such, I realized I had no real sense of the game, and I realized I was alone in the press box. And when looking for everyone else, I found them in a banquet, banquet room under the stands. There were tables loaded with food, and almost everyone but me was eating. I was last in line behind a gray-haired fireplug of a man who was shoveling mounds of sandwiches, barbecue, and deviled eggs into four plates. I was wondering how he was going to carry it all when he turned around and became Dean Smith. He handed me two of the plates, and he said, here, carry this. Wordlessly, I followed him out of the press box, just uh, the boxes just below the press box, and served his gathering. His wife was lovely and gracious, but Dean himself never said another word to me. He was instantly engaged by his guests, who appeared to be the president of the university, a senator, some other personages who were just as deferential to the man as I had been. I got back to the press box just as the game was resuming. I never got a sandwich. The ride home was painful. My editor had witnessed my subservience, asked if I wanted to stop at the student <laughs> bookstore to buy something sky blue. And when the photographic equipment turned out to be a beer cooler, I was forced to drive and listen to the two of them, gigglingly reliving my day. Back in Charlottesville, I dutifully wrote a short piece on the game. It had less color than midnight. But I was still peeved when it didn't make it into Monday's paper. I confronted the boss and he laughed and told me the truest thing an editor have said. You wrote the wrong sidebar. It's just, <laughs> boy, when you get crushed like that. How about that? Dean Smith. Just carry this, son. From Paul Bolden in Columbus, Ohio. I know it's been a long time since this first came up. But I finally watched the Eagles documentary the other night. And wow, even though he's gone, Glenn Fry still scares me. Yes, he should. <laughs> yeah. From yeah. Cheeve in Somerville, Massachusetts. Just wondering if Chessie shared any thoughts about turning the clocks forward an hour. No, she hasn't yet. And from Austin in Portland, Maine. I was surprised to hear that Chessie hasn't been vocalizing her movie requests as my dog <laughs> named Brock after the beloved former Red Sox utility man, Nationals relief pitcher Brock Holt, hasn't stopped asking to watch the following three movies. One, Goodfellas, he takes after his father. Two, the Oceans movies, especially 13, after hearing Koppelman come on your podcast and skewer you. And three, <laughs> Air Bud, he's breaking down film and hoping to walk onto the humane uh, men's team next year. One more, Tim Wildsmith, who occasionally graces us with his music from Nashville. Yes. I'm only eight minutes into Friday's show. That's last week. But I can already tell it's going to be special because you and Michael just spent three minutes arguing rather aggressively about who was smarter, your dog or your grandchildren. This is podcast <laughs> gold. 
<laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Jesus, am I speaking Chinese? I gotta get out of town 